Welcome to The Prosperity Practice. The Prosperity Practice. Our personal take on what it takes. Push, challenge, light the fire. Do not chase prosperity. Rather, be prosperous. Prosperous. Welcome to The Prosperity Practice with your host, Brandon Hanley. Looks like Ready, Ready to, to go. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey there, prosperity practitioners. I am on today with Raul Lopez Jr. And you know, funny thing, I just want to I want to throw this out there. Raul and I've been trying to connect. I think it's been about two years now trying to to make this connection happen, to have this conversation. Uh, when we first when we first connected, it was through the fatherhood space, and now we're connecting over here uh, in in the prosperity practice space. And it, it's really just funny how these connections carry over into the other spaces. Now, just a little bit about Raul. He is a leading life performance coach. He's one of the most sought-out personal development speakers and trainers in his industry. He's also the author of the life-changing book, Heal the Boy and the Man Will Appear. Discover the root cause of negative pattern and limiting beliefs. Learn important steps you need to take in order to live in happiness, success, and wealth. One of the, one of the keys, I'm not going to read his whole bio off for you guys. We're going to have a really deep, uh, I think, conversation but I think a couple things for you to know is I Raul was semi-retired after, like, you know, not the best life by the age of 32. We wanted to find out how he was kind of able to do that for himself. Uh, we also just want to know a little bit about he's got with the words, with God's word, the Bible's foundation combined with life experience slash wisdom, neuroscience, psychology studies, and enrolling in Anthony Robbins, Robbins Medane's co-training program, Raul has become an authority in the field of practical psychology, strategic interventions, and helping people create lasting positive change. It's a mouthful, but I think that it's important that people understand just kind of where you're coming from and how we got here. And yeah. really, I'm, I'm very excited to have you here. Before we do anything, how can I support you in celebrating something going on in your life today? Ah, well, hey, this is just let's just have a great conversation. Anytime I can share some wisdom and maybe impact some lives, it's it's great for me. I love to do this, so I appreciate you inviting me onto the call. Um, hopefully, millions of people will watch this and be interested and in, uh, find something, a tool they can take from this this call and use in their life. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, look, that's all. That's always the wish. Uh, a lot of times, people say, "Hey, if I can only touch one life," and you know, I've gone beyond touching one life, and I, I think that. For me, touching one life was my own life, right? Once you touch your own life, like, wait a second. Uh, whenever I press the button to send these out there, I know it has potential to 7 billion people, dude. I mean, look, it's the World Wide Web. It's not like your next-door neighbor's computer, all right? So so I'm not sending emails. This is going out to the world. And, and so there's always that hope that something is going to come out of this that's going to impact millions, man. Why not? Why not? So, man, tell me, tell me. I know you just got done doing your tag talk. Tell me, tell me what kind of exciting things are happening with you. Tell us about the tag talk 
and what you just finished up doing. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, everything I do really is around um, understanding conditioning, conforming, uh, the whole practical psychology uh, thing you read earlier. Uh, it has a lot to do with trauma, childhood trauma. So um, my tag talk stands for tag stands for transparency, acceptance, and growth. And in that, uh, it's it's what I believe and what helped me change my life. Right. I, I, at some point, I had to accept uh, who I was, where I was, and that I was the creator of all of that. Right. Um, even though things, traumatic things, did happen to me in my life, uh, over a certain amount of time, I allowed that to affect me in my life and the decisions that I've made. So once I accepted that and I learned to be transparent in it, meaning sharing, um, expressing myself, uh, it, was, it was healing for me. It was growth for me. But then I also noticed it was growth for others. Okay. Uh, I spent a lot of my time after kind of coming out of that uh, wild, lost, in the fog lifestyle, um, working with kids in juvenile hall and going into prisons and working with these guys in there. And uh, the whole... Um, transparency part of that was I could see in their eyes that there's somebody here telling me their heart, deep things that we don't want to share about themselves and what they've been through. And I saw the growth in them from it. And it was just as much growth for me to share and express and release all these hard carried emotions as it was for them to receive it. So transparency, acceptance and growth for me is really powerful in our lives in, in life and in business, you know, if, if we get into business conversations. Right. So, you know, these guys that you were going in there and talking to, you were able to share some, some of your hardships and uh, some of what you had gone through. Uh, and, and they saw you bringing your open heart with that and being. Vulnerable. Is that mm -hmm. fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's, let's, Let's even go back a little bit further. I know that there was the uh, – so I read the book, really, really, really interesting book, right? It, was, it gave me some really nice insights. But it talks a bit about you kind of growing up and, and really not having your dad there or your dad being in some you know, less than desirable conditions for your mom to want to have you around, right? I mean, that's the, kind of the gist of it. And then you, know, you kind of catch up with him later, and he still – he hasn't evolved at all, right? right. Nothing's changed for him. Yeah. And you're, you're surrounded by that. And, and if I recall correctly, you kind of get caught up in some of, some of, some of the stuff that he did. It's like, yeah. um, and I can relate to this. Let me just relate this a little bit on my side. Uh, same thing happened to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it, w what's kind of beautiful about the, the, your ability to share that story and connect with somebody who you have no idea about is that we share these similar stories that we may have been afraid to talk about before, mm -hmm. right? Like how is this uh, – how is this growth in, in conversation for you and somebody else? Uh, how's that helping those guys? How is the growth in my conversation with them helping them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, first of all, uh, the, the transparency is key. And it's, it's because, especially with the people that I was working with in juvenile hall and prisons, is because I'd been there, right? right. I'd been there and I'd done, and, and I will I'll, I'll bullet point my story so there's a better understanding. Uh, but because I'd been there, I'd experienced, felt, lived, survived, pretty much anything and everything they had or they have. So when I would go in there and we'd talk, uh, the benefit that I had was instant credibility because I wasn't just some guy coming in there talking out of a book going, right. hey, do this, do this, do that. Right. I was more of, here's, I did what you did. I right. lived here. I was in San Quentin prison. I, I was on the streets. I did all these things. 
And this is what I did personally to right. change my life. Right. And you get a lot better reception that way. Um, and then they also, you know, when they, when they receive it, um, they put it into action because they go, he did it. I can do that. I want that for my life. Right. You know? right. Um, I, I, I love each and every person that'll take their time and go into any type of facility and volunteer their time. Um, I do know that some of the, uh, I don't know, you know, book smart people that go in, sometimes they're not as helpful. And, and it's just because of that, because they've read what may have happened, right? They've read it and they go, and I'm not talking about my book. I'm talking about studying, you know, psychology or whatever it is, which I have also. Sure. Um, but they may have read a book and said, well, you should try this because this happened to you. And a lot of times these guys, because it is a subculture, um, where they're incarcerated, you know, will roll their eyes and go, you don't even know what you're talking about because right. you haven't lived it. You don't know who I am or <laughs> sure. where I have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, in sharing your story with those guys uh, and and seeing their growth, you've been in their shoes. They accept that. Uh, You know, what what got you to even say to yourself that that you should be the one walking back in there and sharing with them? Like, what what gave you kind of that gumption and idea? Let me let me give you the the bullet points. So, uh, watching your show can kind of understand. Um, we talked a little bit about my father, and yeah. uh, I, I was I was born. Uh, my mother had uh, two kids. My father had one. They came together. They got married, and they had me. Um, we were a very loving family. We were all close together, and uh, for the first seven years of my life, that's what I experienced. That's what I, that's all I knew was this loving family. I was very close with my father. Um, he could do no wrong in my eyes. You know, he was just he was my daddy. I loved him. Sure, and. Uh, one day, uh, my mother comes home, <clears throat> excuse me, she comes home and she just, she says, son, get in the car, we're going to go for a ride. And that was not a big deal for me. I was actually playing in the garage with my father. My mother drives up. She says, get in the car, let's go for a ride. Um, no big deal. Uh, I grew up in San Jose, California. Within a five-mile radius was all my family, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, everybody, cousins, everybody lived right around us. Sure. We get in her car and we go for a ride, no big deal. Um, but that day, uh, she drove me to the airport. And uh, we got on a plane and we flew to Alaska. And uh, as a seven-year-old, I looked at the plane. It was exciting, right? Who yeah. we on a plane? Never been on a plane. We got to Alaska. Snow, fun. But the next day, I looked around. I realized my dad wasn't there. And I said, "Where's my dad?" Right. And uh, she looked at me and she just said, "Don't worry about your dad. You're not going to see him anymore." Ooh. And uh, going from loving, fun, joyous, this is my life to you're never going to see your dad again it just it, it tore me sure uh, you know it was shocking it was it was i couldn't even comprehend it right at seven years old i'm this little guy yeah. um, who's used to be my parents my family um and because my my father had brought one into the marriage my sister into the marriage when he was gone she was gone too so all of a sudden i'm missing my father and one of my sisters right uh, and um i'm not understanding it and i kind of went into what i know now was a depression into some anxiety to some fear some confusion heartache i mean all these emotions that we have as humans that a seven-year-old child doesn't understand and that's why i talk about the importance of understanding and expressing your emotions and teaching your kids these things right but i didn't know how to express them so i held them in right i held them in and, and 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 emotions are an energy right i always tell people emotions is an energy that needs to be released if uh if you have a good emotion, like you're, you're watching your favorite sports team and they score, wow, you cheer, right? You're releasing right. an energy. You couldn't just sit there 
well, they when they scored and just sit there. You 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 have an energy after you. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, when we have negative a negative energy, we hold it in. Oh, right. like we get angry and we hold it. Sure, that energy needs to be released, and when we don't release it, um, it it builds up in us, and it can make us sick. It can make us create bad decisions. It gives us this confusion. We just carry this anger, this hatred, this confusion in us. And that's what I started to do because I had no idea how to release it. And, uh, you know, so for the next few months, I would just cry every day uncontrollably, didn't know what was going on, didn't understand how I was feeling, why I was feeling that way. I just knew I wanted to see my father. And I was a million miles away as far as I could tell, you know. Um, so crying on a regular basis at school, uh, you know, other kids started to make fun of me, a kid who cries all the time, blah, blah, blah. And uh, one day I, I shifted. You know, I went from this loving child to looking at these kids laughing at me. And internally, I just looked and I remember the day uh, I decided, I said, I'm never going to cry again and no one's ever going to laugh at me again. Mm. And uh, from that day on, if somebody looked at me for more than two seconds, I assumed they were about to laugh at me or making fun of me and I'd attack them. We'd fight. Right. Mm. And I lived a lot, a long, well, from that seven till about I was 27 till I actually figured out things that started to change my life but I lived a long life of just lost confusion anger fighting um, incarceration right. um, with that uh, by the time I was nine um, I was doing drugs mm. uh, by the time I was 13 I was you know drugs and alcohol regular basis uh, my girlfriend at the time and I conceived our first child so at 14 I was a father wow and then I got incarcerated and um at, from 14 till 24, I would spend the majority of that time incarcerated on the streets, just lost. Right. So uh, I always had these three questions for me. And this is kind of getting into, you know, your, your question, answering your question. Um, how did I start helping? What made it so that I could thought that I would right. help people? Because through all those years from that being lost until the day I got out of San Quentin prison when I was 24 years old, um, I always had three questions for myself, right? Why do I act this way? Sure. I did a lot of dumb things, you know, huh. uh, and that's why I kept getting incarcerated. Right. Um, why, why, why do I act this way? Why do I do the things that I do? And why do I feel the way that I feel? Right. And it was really important for me. You know, the, the acting, you know, is, is a true form of acting. It's like, it's wearing a mask. You know, I, I knew I wore this mask of, I'm okay, everything's great, I'm this cool guy. You know, because with getting in trouble, especially in your teenage years and all that, there's a certain amount of pride, false pride and coolness and all these things that come along with it, right? Uh -huh. uh, but I always have those three questions. Why do I do what I do? Why do I act the way that I act? Why do I feel the way that I feel? And I didn't know that there were answers to them. But I did know when I got out of San Quentin prison, by that time I had already had two children, and um, I knew that I didn't want the life that I was living. So uh, I decided to move out of the county that I lived in. San, we were back in San Jose by this time. And to move, when you're on parole, when you have to ask permission to go from one county to another. So I went to the county and I asked, can I, can I move here? I want to get out of trouble. I'm trying to stay straight, clean, da, 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 da. And they gave me a condition. They said, if you go to college, you can live in my county. Right, the right. parole officer said you can move to my county. Right. And um, I said, okay. Basically, I said, okay. I figured out how to, you know, get a, take a college course and all that. 
And it took me almost two years to get to college level courses. Oh, wow. but, by the time I, but by the time I did, I, was, I just said, what do I do next? And they said, well, just do your general education, start working towards your AA degree. Okay. And I said, okay. So one of those general education courses is Psychology 101. Right. And uh, in Psychology 101, uh, all three of those questions were answered for me. The start of them. Yeah. So, I mean, how was that? Was that liberating for you? Like, I mean, how did that feel? It, it changed my entire life because I didn't think that there were answers to those questions. I thought I'd lived just lost for, for the rest of my life. Um, and I just, you know, I remember just reading this book, uh, Psychology 101 in my college class. And there were, there were just statements like, if you grew up like this, you may feel like this. Yeah. this type of thing happened to you, you may act like this, right? I mean, just answered, literally answered those questions. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I just started to read every psychology book, every neuroscience book, quantum physics. I just started communications, anything to help me understand why I felt the way that I felt, why I acted the way they acted, why I did the things that I did. And to, to even know that there were reasons for these things in our lives. Right. Right. I've, I've learned the basic conditioning. Right. Um, the difference in cognitive and behavioral and, and just these things and, and watching them and the, looking at the stuff that I did throughout my life and what happened to me. And I was like, wow, it's not just me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. Um, I think that, that that's I mean, to me, that's one of the number one kind of takeaways when you begin exploring this space that it's not just you. Yeah, it's powerful. Right. right? And, and uh, we seclude ourselves. We think it's just us that's going through all this weirdness, and we seclude ourselves. We don't tell anybody. I'm getting back to transparency, right? Right. right. And once you start sharing and learning, you realize uh, that it's the human being, the nature of us, right. is to fall into those 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 holes. Right. The shared condition, right? Like everybody's got the shared condition of being a human being, right? Um, so and and and. Uh, so I, I love that, right? Uh, and I love the fact, though, too, that it's your parole officer, right, that says, hey, you know, he, do you feel like he was the one that kind of gave you, gave you that branch off into, the, into that space? Like, if, without him, do you think you would have made that turn? I, I don't think so. You know, and, and if, we, if we get into the spiritual side of things, I believe 100% he was a God-given placement in my life, um, everything just leading to that point and where I was at. Uh, I tried to, I've actually tried to find him for yeah. years to just thank him. I mean, he probably doesn't even realize, you know, what, what he did for me. Um, and I have tried to find him and I, and I can't find him. Uh, but yeah, he, by him forcing me to go to college, he changed my life. And I'll tell you is from what I know, right? Because I, you know, I, I lived that lifestyle for so long. I know a lot of, you know, ex-convicts. I know a lot of parolees. I know a lot of people in that lifestyle right. that are still there and that have made it out. And I don't know, I've never met one that has said their parole, their parole officer made them go to college. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a, it's, a unique, it's a unique setup that has led to uh, a, quite a remarkable life that, to me, it doesn't seem at all like it's, it doesn't seem like it's peaked, right? It seems like, to me, like you're still, you're still peaking out. Yeah, I'm, right? I'm you're still, and I, I love that, um, you know. It's exciting. So I want to I want to talk to to you a bit about uh, you know you, you find all this information um, you you get into the exploratory stage you kind of figure out you get the gist of who you are um, and you understand that you are 
like creating this life that you have. How are you teaching that principle to others? And I think that that's an important one too. The principle of uh, you make the choices to have the life that you have and that you are the creator of your life. Does that sound like coming? You know, I I usually will go, how I start everything um, is personal wisdom Mm -hmm. and meaning what I've learned, what I've done. Uh, The most important thing for me that I try to pass on is the understanding of some of the basic psychology because that's where I started. A lot of people that I work with don't understand the basis of psychology. Uh, You know, in fact, sometimes when I'm on stage and I'll start to talk about conditioning in general. Right now, use the term conditioning, and then sometimes I'll kind of see the eyes glaze, like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, and it, right. it's shocking to me a bit. But I'll and I'll but I'll ask people, do you know what conditioning means? Right, and mostly everybody will raise their hand. And if I pick somebody out of the audience and say, well, what does it mean? Sometimes they'll say, are you talking about working out, fitness, conditioning? Sure. Right. And I thought, well, that's that is conditioning, right? right. But, to well, a certain degree, for sure. Yeah. So that so it needs to be clear. So I'll clear that. First of all, I'll clear up that I'm talking about conditioning, and then I'll talk about conforming, and how from birth, right, the environment that we're in, everything that we do and know, we were taught, right? Absolutely. I use the, the simple example is if you were born in another country, you'd probably have a different faith right now, right? Sure. <laughs> right? I, I, yeah, easy. To believe that it's 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 just you know a fact of, of life. Um, so I, I go into conditioning and conforming, help people understand that about themselves, just so they can kind of analyze what do sure. I believe? What am I yeah. thinking? Right. Why do I do the things that I do? And then from there, we just work on individual challenges or habits in their life. Right. I have an assessment that I use for people. It's on my website that you just mentioned. Um, and you can do it's, it's a quick assessment and then it kind of tells me a whole lot about you. And then I go through and I work with them as individuals because we all have different challenges. Right. right. Um, when I tell my story, people come up to me all the time. And it's funny. They say almost the exact same thing. Man, I lived the same life you did. I didn't go through the things you did, but I had the same life you did. Right. And what they're talking about is their emotions. Right, the challenges, the, the the psychological, the emotional challenges that we survive and that we live through, and that we have to deal with. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of it is is individual. Uh, as I talk with people, I got to see what their challenges are, what they what they're seeking, and I can help them with that. Um, but for the most part, I start out with uh, a little bit of psychology. Okay, so you know, lead me from there. Lead you from there. Yeah, as we're yeah, talking about. Uh, uh, creating you know being the creator of your life mm-hmm. right okay so, um because i think that that's key and that's something that you talk uh, i think uh, a fair amount about on your uh, um when i catch on facebook right like mm-hmm. creating your life and making the co- uh, conscious choices uh today even like you, you disrupt yourself disrupt your habits you know uh yeah. and i mean th- this goes over to uh einstein too is like you know you, we can't solve the problems you know of today with yesterday's thinking yeah. Okay, that's great. So I'll tell you some of the things that I had to do for myself, and it, it, they're they're very basic. And this is this is important for people to understand that you don't have to do drastic things to start disrupting your habits and changing your life. Disrupting your habit could be driving a different way to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, right. you go the same way every day and you're just in this cloud and you drive there and you don't even know how you got there. Sometimes you go, whoa, I don't even remember driving here. <laughs> Drive a different way. You're disrupting your habit, right? A habit. 
Um, but I'll tell you what I had to do was me, right? My wife, for my family, how do I get this? How, how do I get to what I believe is success, right? Because a lot of times when we first think about success, we think money, right? House, sure. white picket fence, those types right, of things. Right. Yeah. That, that actually was my goal in the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I used to say, I want to be normal. <laughs> what is that? I want to be the average citizen. I just want to be a regular guy, right? And for me, the first thing I had to do was taking action and changing my mindset is I had to practice communicating with people because the lifestyle that I lived of incarceration, there wasn't a whole lot of communication. In fact, one of the things that uh, I learned in, during that lifestyle that I believed and lived by for so long in that lifestyle was the less you say, the longer you'll live, right? Because when you're incarcerated, you don't brag about things you've done. You don't say too much. I mean, you, your life is in danger all the time. So the less you say, the longer you live. You listen, you do your time, you do your thing, and you, and you survive. You talk too much, things happen, right? So that's actually opposite of what, who I am now, right? Sure. Now I'm like, story, be transparent, talk, man, get your stuff out there. Right. But what I had to do is I had to practice just communications in general. And I'll tell you, for me, I, I had to practice saying hi. Just, hi, how are you, right? Because in the lifestyle I lived, you would walk and you'd look at people and you were wondering if you were going to have a problem with them or not, right? Sure. You might sure. you know, do one of these, like, hey, what's up? That's it. Other than that, I wouldn't even look at people um, because if they looked at me for too long, there was a problem. That's just who, who I was. I was lost. So I had to practice saying hi to people. And I remember like being really uncomfortable. Hey, how you doing? Hi, how are you? Hi. <laughs> just just practicing that, right? So what what is that? that that's getting out of your comfort zone, right? It seems simple, but for me at the time, it wasn't. So it's absolutely getting out of my comfort zone. It's understanding what I was lacking, what I needed to improve on, and it was taking action and doing it, right? Taking, uh, holding myself accountable to get out there and do it. What did I want to do? I just need to say hi to people. I see other people saying hi to people. They look so friendly and they have conversations. I want to do that. Um, I had to figure out what my purpose was in that state of time that I was living. And my purpose, so, so what I was saying is next, what I, I had to practice doing new things, right? right? One of them was saying hi, which seems really simple, but who I was, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, and then I had to practice saying thank you. And some of these things I would learn from other people would say them to me and I'd, I'd like it. So I'd say, oh, I, I want to be like that. Sure, so sure. I, I would find people that were doing things that I wanted to do or how I wanted to be, and I'd kind of learn from them. Uh, one day I was uh, with a guy, and he got a new car. And I saw his car, and I go, man, that's a nice car, dude. And he said, thank you, I appreciate that. And I remember when he said it, it made me feel good. <laughs> he said, thank you, I appreciate that. And it was, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I, I liked the way he said it. I liked the way he made me feel. So I said, I'm going to practice saying thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and to this day, I mean, this was, you know, I don't know, 25 years ago. To this day, I still say that to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it just became part of me. So, so changing, getting out of the comfort zone, I, I think is almost becoming clean. Doing things that you're not used to doing, finding a mentor, finding somebody or people that are doing what you want to do, whether it be as simple as saying hi or starting a business, you know, it's, it's go find people that are doing what you want to do and look at them. That doesn't mean you do everything they're doing. For me, I'm talking about myself. Right. I look at people, watch people, listen to people, 
take advice from people and somebody may tell me 10 things um, and I'll take the couple of things that resonate with me that I can use and I'll put the others aside and who knows, maybe later I'll pick them up. But for right now, this is what I need, right? So you take what you need and you use it right. and you keep moving forward. Um, I find this for myself to be true. Like even if I'm hearing somebody else uh, give me some information, I love it. It's a fit. And then like you're saying, like maybe six or seven months goes down and then I, I understand, I finally understand what they meant with like maybe those, a couple of those other things, you know, I'm like, oh, wait, this is what so-and-so was saying. It all makes sense. How often do you find that to be true for yourself? Like, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's 100% happens on a regular basis. In fact, that was a lesson that I learned when I first started uh, working with, with kids in juvenile hall is I, for a while, it was, uh, it was almost like it was about me. Right. I would be passing on this information and I, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this. I'm cause I was so excited about it. Here, this, this, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you that. And if they they would hear it, but wouldn't take any action on it, I would let it bother me. Right. right. And then at some point, you know, with my own coaching coaches and when I, I went through therapists and psychologists, I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of different people. Um, I learned that it's not about me and that all we can do is plant seeds. Mm. Right. We can plant seeds and, and either help them grow or hope they grow when we're not around. And that concept really hit home for me because I remember so many times in my life uh, when people would give me advice as a kid and I would be like, whatever. You know, what I mean, I wouldn't even want to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but Later on, something would happen or I'd hear something or, or I'd be in a situation and I'd go, you know what? Somebody told me one time this. Right. Somebody right. said that. Somebody explain that. And so that instantly, it could have been years later, that seed, boom, would start to flourish because somebody just planted it. So, so I use that as in my mindset when I go into places like juvenile hall and prisons. and go, I'm going to go in there and plant as many seeds as I can. You know, and if they take them and I can help them grow right now, outstanding. If not, I hope they just sit there and at some point they're going to hear something. And I, and I thought, I don't even care if they remember it was me or not. If they go, somebody one day told me that, that's right. And it sparks them. That's my goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love that. I love that. Um, A couple of the other things that we talked about. One of the things I want want to hear, I don't know that, you know, uh, this little line here, I don't remember catching the full story of, you know, how do you go from, you know, uh, being incarcerated and uh, almost retired by the age of 32? So if if I I understand correctly, if I'm doing the math semi-okay, there's like a five-year gap in there, and you go from being a dude that's in jail – uh, to having some school, having some success there. You've got kids, you've got a wife, you've got all these other things that a lot of other people that aren't even incarcerated have. And then in five years, you, you turn it all around and you're almost retired. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what that looks like because I'm certainly curious. Yeah, you know, it was uh, pure, purely wanting more out of life and going after it. And more importantly than anything is I got my first mentor. (laughs) I got my paid first mentor. And and I'll tell you, it was was probably about, like you said, five years. But after I had figured some things out. Because I got out of prison when I was 24, just about turning 25. And then I spent those few years in college and kind of started learning, studying, understanding, practicing all these things we're talking about. And by all means, I didn't have everything figured out. Today, I still don't have everything figured out. But I figured out enough. And I had uh, a good work ethic. So I worked my butt off. I'll tell you that. I'd go to college full-time. I'd work full-time. Um, and I worked, you know, like warehouses. I mean, I was there every day. I was on time. I was trying to figure my life out. I put a lot of time and energy 
into everything that I was doing. Um, if you know, I worked in a warehouse, I, I wanted to be the best worker there was there. I wanted to be on time. I wanted to get stuff done. It was a pride that I just kind of grew up with. Uh, and by working hard, I was promoted into different positions in different companies. Uh, and then I got, uh, recruited to a large company and it was a fortune 500 company where I started making really good money, you know, uh, just vacations and traveling and paid and all, all just a really good fortune 500 company that I worked for. Um, with that, I had enough money to kind of play around and do some investments. And yeah. what I had done is I went to a real estate uh, investing big giant thing. There was probably like two or 3000 people there. And I met a guy who got up on stage and he just talked and he fired me up because he talked about helping people. Right. right. Um, incarcerated, you know, broke people. I mean, he, he wanted to work with people that, that needed a, just a hand up. So after I heard him speak, I was about to buy the package that he was selling. Um, and I was really nervous about it, you know. And I remember walking out. It was at a big a convention center. I remember walking out of the convention center. And this guy just happened to be sitting there outside the convention center with two guys. And I walked up to him and I was so fired up. I had so much energy from what I had just heard him speak about and the energy of should I or should I not spend this money on this program that he has. Right. And I was just fired up and I saw him and I just walked straight up to him and I said, Hey, are you for real? I said, because I'm about to buy this program, but I need to know that you're for real. And I kind of spit some stuff at him about me and who I was and not that I'm anybody just, but where I'm coming from. Right. Trying to right. figure out my life. Sure. And then, um, he looked at me and he goes, hold on. And he took out a piece of paper and he wrote down his name and his phone number and he handed it to me. He goes, you go buy that program. He says, and you call me tomorrow. And I just looked at him and I looked at the guy sitting next to him and the guy says, if he gives you his number, he's, he's going to answer. And I said, okay. So I took his phone number, put it in my pocket. I said, thanks. I went in there. I bought his program. At the time it was like three grand. This is way back in early 2000. Uh, maybe and I bought his program and I called him right and uh, he didn't answer which I oh this guy I knew he wasn't gonna answer whatever so I called him up and then uh, he didn't answer at first but he did call me back he told me to call somebody and tell that person uh, well his name is James okay he's a great guy his name is James and uh, she, she, she said he said call this lady tell her James said to give you two two deals and I said okay I call her up I said, hey, James Stone said that you should give me two deals, what you're doing. And they were, they were condo conversions in Myrtle Beach. Right. And um, she said, oh, they're sold out. And I said, James said that you need to give me two deals. And she goes, James, you talk to him. And he said that I need to give you two deals. And I said, yes. And she goes, I'm going to call him right now. I said, go ahead. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I don't care. So she calls him up. And then she calls me back. And she says, okay, he did. I got two deals for you. I'm going to send you over the paperwork. I filled out the paperwork and within I think 90 days on those two deals, I made 140 K and I was just, I was like, wow. Right. And, and in between that, so that was my first like big kind of real estate deal or anything I'd ever done. Right. And uh, in between in those 90 days, he would call me up and he'd say, Hey, I'm flying into Arizona. I'm flying into Florida. I'm flying here. I'm flying there. And he'd say, and I'm looking at some properties. If you're interested, fly out and I'll show you what I'm doing. And if you want to buy some, you can buy some. Right. So I said, okay. So I started flying around with this guy. Right. All these states, he'd just call me for whatever reason. You know, we were a good connection, and he helped me out. And um, within a few years, by the time I was 32, I 
I retired from my job wow. and uh, I was making really good money and I was doing all, I had like seven different investment strategies that I was working on and just doing very well. You know, I mean, it was, uh, it, it, you know, and it all came with determination, persistence and going after it, listening to this guy as a mentor. Right. 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 He told me one time, uh, he said, do you believe, do you know that I'm a multimillionaire? And I said, yeah. He says, do you believe that I can help you? And I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that what I do works? And I said, yeah. He goes, and just do what I say. Right, exactly. Uh, sounds kind of like, um, sounds a lot like the story of, you know, Jim Rohn talking to Tony Robbins, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of how, how like Jim Rohn was with him. I mean, it's funny, man. I, I, like I don't have it with me. It's actually in the other room. I just, I just got back from one of those real estate. There it is, man. Hold on one second. I didn't buy any packages, though. I mean, I was just on the fence. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't get it. Well, let me see if I can hold the camera, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, I just went, and um, the the thing was, is like you just don't know, right? Like, I mean, they, they sound legit, but like, you know, what what's involved, right? And it sounds to me though, like you actually had a guy that took you under his wing too. It wasn't like you just got the package, right? You got. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, right there with them. You got a true mentor. You got somebody that you were able to go work alongside of and, and learn as he did it, not just watch 24 yeah. hours of video. Right. 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 I mean, that's, that's, in my opinion, that's where the success came from is it, I didn't just buy an online course uh, back then, even such a thing, but uh, I didn't just buy a course, a book or something to read. Uh, he, 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 we worked one-on-one. We used to walk down the street and just a conversation with this guy. I mean, he taught me, so he, he taught me the energy and money. Right. Uh, we're walking down the street. It's funny cause I'm a, I'm a little guy and he's like a really tall guy. We're walking down the street one time. We we're in, uh, somewhere in Alabama. Where were we? We we're looking at a big development in Alabama. Um, and, and anyways, we we're walking down the street and there was a nickel on the ground, right? We're crossing the street and there's a nickel on the ground and he basically said, are you going to pick it up? And I just looked at him. He said, if you're not going to pick it up, I'm going to pick it up. And he says, if you, if you can't appreciate that free money right there on the ground then you can't appreciate any money, if you're, uh, if you're going to push away that nickel, then you're pushing away all money. Right. That's, free, that's free money right there. So I right. reached out and picked it up. And it's funny because to this day, if I see a penny on the ground, I'll pick it up. <laughs> I just see it. I pick it up and I throw it in a jar. Uh, dude, so I love that, um, and and this is you know I can, you know obviously I didn't come up with the idea on my own. I don't remember exactly what it triggered it for me, but like it's a gift from the universe, right? I mean, straight up, it's like yeah, you know, if if there's something out there for you to receive, and it's right there in front of you, and you don't stop to pick it up, if you're not picking the fruits of like whatever, yeah, then I guess you don't want those fruits. I do the same thing, right? So if I even in my own house. <laughs> yeah. Even in my own house, if I see a penny on my floor, I'm like, well, and I'll leave it there a couple t- times to see if the kids pick it up, right? Because I got to like, do they want it or don't they, right? Like, where are they at on this this whole thing? But it reminds me of, reminds me, and this is the thought that I have all the time with this, of uh, Joe Biden bending down and picking up that dime years ago. Oh, picking I- it up and smiling about that, right? Like, I mean, because he did something really similar. You know, he bent down and picked up a dime and just smiled like really yeah. big about finding this dime. Like there was all this, there was all this like hoopla about it, but that's what he was doing. He was yeah. being grateful to receive right. from the universe. Let's talk a little bit more about the energy and receiving from the universe. I mean, is this, is this, you know, let's, this is, this is, you know, this is where um, I think uh, this is where 
to me, anyways, if uh, are you are you a Bob Proctor fan? But yeah. Okay, so this is where like the differentiation between the three percent of the haves and the ninety-seven percent of of the rest of the people, right? Like the acceptance of of exactly what I don't know, and this is what's where I'm challenged, and this is why I came to you. One of the questions I had is like, how do you you kind of translate this without being like, dude, that's woo woo, and it's not how it works, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, let's talk yeah. a little bit about that stuff. So it, it's. It- it, it really is sometimes difficult and energy. So I believe when people talk about the universe, they're talking about God. Yeah. Um, I believe uh, when people talk about energy, they're talking about what God has placed within us, right? And, and the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it comes down for me, you have three or four things going on, right? I'm going here, and then I got to go to this appointment, and then I got to go to that appointment. And so I find myself rushing. Like, I got to hurry up and get here. I got to hurry up and do this. I got to take care of this. Right. And so often... I get the slow poke driver in front of me <laughs> all the time. There's somebody in front of me just limping along. And every single time that happened, and, uh, and I'd say just maybe within the last year, I'd be behind my, hurry up, hurry up, come on, I got to go. Or I can take, or I can get, get the message. And the message is slow down, just slow down and relax. So with that, you know, that's an energy, right? A, a, a message from God, the universe. Uh, just for me saying, hey, relax, it's okay, calm down. A lot of it's, I think, within, because I believe that God is one with us. Right. Uh, and then if you want to get into the money portion of it, uh, I, I think, you know, it says in the Bible, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, right? Believe and achieve. It turned into so many other, Jim Rohns and, and uh, a lot of these guys say believe and achieve, um, but it really comes out of the Bible. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right. So uh, that's that's the energy I think people, People are talking about or are trying to relate to with with money and some of these things we're talking about um, if you see a nickel on the ground and you don't pick it up whether you're consciously thinking about it or not there's no value in that money right there's no value to it ah, it's just a nickel right, right. I'll tell you what um, I know times that I was dead broke but I'd see a nickel on the ground and I wouldn't pick it up because I thought oh I don't want nobody seeing me pick up a nickel Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you got, you got, you got, you got your pride. Yeah. So, but if you think about that, uh, that's pushing money away. You know, right. it really is. Right. Um, I, I, I remember a story uh, that my father told me one time uh, during his wild lives and his, his travels uh, that he was trying to get to work and he would take the bus to work. Right. He didn't have a car or anything. And uh, he got up in the morning, he got dressed and he started walking to the bus stop. He didn't have any money. But he needed to get to work. So he's like, somehow between here and that dang bus stop, I got to find a way to get on this bus. I got to get to work. And he says he's walking down the street and there's a chain leak fence. On the other side of that fence, he sees like $3 just blow, like blowing in the wind. Right. And he jumps the fence and he picks up these $3 and he gets his bus pass and right. he goes. You know? Nice. Yeah. So he, he, you know, you hear these stories and you hear them over and over again. And you go, it's not a coincidence, right? He expected to be able to get onto that bus, whether it be somebody handed him $3 or he found the $3 or the bus said, just get on. I know you need to get to work or whatever it was. He expected that he was going to get on that bus and get to work. And while he was walking in faith, he took the step. He walked out the door with $0 in his pocket. He got onto that bus. Right. So um, I believe we do create those things in our lives. And if we're pushing things away because we think we're above it or our pride is too much to ask for it or reach out for it, then we're not going to get it. 
So, um, yeah, it'll stop showing. It'll stop showing up in your life. You're like, all right, well, you know, you don't want that. That's fine. Well, then we'll just stop sending it your way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, look, I was a bartender for a number of years. Right. Like I know that uh, so-and-so likes their their Manhattan. Right. Mm-hmm. Every time yeah. they show up, there's going to be Manhattan. Right. If every time yeah. I show up, I want money. There's some money. I'm going to take it. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. look, yep. it, it, that's just that's just good service. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I think that, too, uh, there is this. You know, you're talking about, uh, you know, belief, right? Uh, belief, uh, faith, uh, acceptance. And, and then there's the idea of coincidence, right? Uh, how long do you think, uh, talk about, like, how long did it take you for to fully accept that for yourself, right? Like to say, uh, this is no longer just a coincidence. This is something that's real and, and I am a part of it. Yeah, um, that, that, that's an understanding in my view. How, when did I come to that understanding? Uh, it took a long time throughout my life. Um, you know, you hear the term coincidence. We're, we're raised with, oh, that's a coincidence type mm-hmm. thing, right? right? Um, but when they continue to happen, right. excuse me, they continue to happen, and then you hear other people talk about theirs, and, you, and then, you, you know, I think spiritually – as you seek, um, you'll get answers, right? It says in the Bible, you know, seek and you shall find. Right. Um, as we seek for answers, we start to understand more. And we start to learn more. Uh, I, I, it's been, I, I, I've probably known that there's no coincidences uh, in the last 10 years or so. I'm 49, so that's not, you know, it's not like I learned early. <laughs> but, uh, well, um, you know, there, there's that part, though, too, Raul. Like, and I, I'd love to hit that, right? Like, um, and this, this to me is um, – you know, 40 is a number that shows up in the Bible a lot, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, is it any coincidence that, like you said, like maybe about 10 years ago, right around the age of 40, like a lot of stuff just starts making sense. And there's a lot of understanding right around the age of 40. Is that a coincidence or is that just how it's supposed to be? Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's, a, great, that's a great comment uh, because I – you know, if we, if we do get into the psychology side of things, the study, um, I think guys start to mature around 27. Right where women start earlier in their early twenties, men start to mature around twenty-seven years old, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and and then I think what happens is we start to mature, so we start doing things. And this portion is me, my my views, what I, what I experienced. Sure. Uh, but then we start to experience life, and we want things, and we start trying to achieve things, and you know we're kind of out of the craziness mode or whatever we were doing before that. <laughs> um, and then we like for me, I thought that. I went after my goals and I achieved them. I wanted to get a job, right? I wanted a good job, a good paying job where I could support my family. I could have a home, blah, 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 all these things. Right. And I got to that and then I realized that that wasn't the almighty wonderful life that I thought it would be to have a home and the cars and the whole thing. There's still more, right? So we seek for more. And I think what happens is around by the time we get to 35 is when, is when we're at that point. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. There's, there's more happening. There, there's, there, there has to be more than me going to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, even though I'm driving a nice car, even though I'm making all this money, there has to be more than this. Right. And then we start to seek more answers to those questions. And right around 40, I think, is when we start to understand them. It's just kind of the, the flow, the pattern of, right. of how we are, you know. Right. Um, we get to be around 40, and what happens is I think we start to accept some of these things. as It's not a coincidence, and I needed to hear that. And I was asking for this question over here, but I got the answer when I turned on the radio this morning or sure. when I met for a stranger. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just start to notice and recognize that, that there is a, a universal 
energy uh, that God is working within us, that these things come to us. What we seek comes to us, mm. right? So if you are in a negative state and all you think about is, you know, you hate on people or that's not going to work, that's what you're creating. It yeah. really is what you're creating, but we don't realize it until we get a little bit older and we start recognizing how these things happen to us. Right. Like, I mean, so it, it's, uh, you, and you, I mean, so you're a little bit older than me, right? And you're around more people than me, uh, just in general, it sounds like, right? Do you find that there's still a, a, almost the same amount of people that are still living this negative life and not recognizing that they are the creator of, of their, of their existence? You know? Uh, yeah. S sadly, sadly, there are people in all ages. It, it's not, um, you know, you, when you talk about people in marketing and business, I'll oh, get a niche and niche this and then those types mm -hmm. of things. Right. And for certain products, it makes sense. But when you're talking about people um, and understanding spiritually, mentally, uh, the health of all these things, I, I've had clients nine years old and I've had clients 83 is my oldest. Wow. And they had the same problem, the exact same issue. Uh, right. <laughs> right? And, right. And I remember... Uh, I, I worked with the nine-year-old first, and um, and then it was probably months later, and I went and I was speaking at this this small venue with about four or five other speakers, and when we were done, this 83-year-old man came up to me, and he told me his age, and so I know, and he just kind of grabbed me by the shoulder, and he says, hey, can I talk to you by yourself? Can we talk by ourselves? And I said, sure, right? You know, I was talking to different people after, you know, they come and we talk. But he's like, I want to talk to you by yourself. So I said, okay. So we walked outside and he started telling me about his challenges and his mind. Mm. He, said, he said, my mind controls me. The mm. way I think, the things mm. I do, I can't stop my mind from just running and running and running. And I, and I thought, this guy's 83 years old. He's lived his entire life not understanding that he has full control of his brain, full mm. control of what he thinks, how he thinks, why he thinks. And he doesn't realize that. And that was part of the, the, the challenge that this child had. But this guy was nine years old. You know what I mean? Right, he, right. He, he was fortunate that his parents loved him enough to go, hey, can you talk to somebody? Can you talk right. to my son? Can you help my son with some of this stuff? That's super interesting, right? Like, as, you know, as I was reading your book, uh, a couple of things really popped out to me as it relates to this, right? Like, um, recognizing your emotion, recognizing your thoughts, uh, recognizing you have uh, control of that, and like a muscle, you develop that right over time. It's not like it's not like you just wake up one day and you're like I control this whole show. No, because you've been asking for this show for like you know for me for forty years, right? This show is going to keep showing up. You know, it's not just going to stop. That train's got a lot of lot of oof behind it. But as I look at my children, right, and as I'm reading your story, I'm like I, I recognize these bits and pieces. You know, these are things that we can teach our children, and it sounds like you're able to teach at a young level and, and at an older level, but it's the same concept. Talk to me just like one second about that, too, because what are some of the things and how would you teach your children or other children to uh, control their emotions, to, to uh, recognize that they are in control of their emotions? So, so Controlling your, your emotions, in my view, is a lot different than controlling your, um, your thoughts. Mm, uh, but, so, so understanding your emotions is, is powerful because when you're – and understanding to express them, right? Because yeah. you know, one of the common things you see 
um, whether it be a, a fight at, at, at a grammar school or, or at a household, a, a married couple arguing, is things will build up and build up and they'll hold it in, they'll hold it in, they'll hold it in, and then it'll just explode. Mm. You this and you that, and it turns into <laughs> right. 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 Versus versus if, if the first time something happened, you just said, you know, that really bothers me. I don't like it. You right. know, can we talk about that? Sure. Then you talk about it, and you're releasing the emotion by talking about it, and it's gone. Sure. Instead of holding, 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 holding it, then it blows up, right? right. So, you know, with, with a child, and, and it's funny because there's not a whole lot different. I mean, the way I approach the child is a little bit different, softer, right? right. Um, but the teaching is, is the same in regards to um, controlling the mind. Because I talk a lot about you know, you, you brought this up. It's not just all of a sudden I have control of my mind. <laughs> it, took, right. it, took me, it took me all that practice that I talked about, but when I really wanted to stop my mind from doing this all the time, nonstop, mm-hmm. is I had to practice. And I learned this from a pastor. He said, quiet your mind, soak and meditate. Soak mm-hmm. in prayer, meditate, quiet your mind. Yeah. And when he told me to quiet my mind, I was like, that's impossible. Like, how, how do you quiet your mind, Right. And so many people think that it's sad until you learn it. But what I started doing is like meditating, praying, and trying to sit down, just be quiet. And I couldn't stop my mind from thinking. So what I started to do was think of one thing purposely, hmm. right? And it could be as simple. I, I, talk, I was talking to somebody about this the other day in a cafe, and I happened, she was having a green tea. And I said, just think about green tea, green tea, green tea, green tea. Just think about green tea, right? Right. Um, and like I said, it was because there was a green tea on the table that I taught, said that. So you can think about anything. And I said, so if you close your mind and you relax and you just go green tea, green tea, you're thinking about one thing and you're not thinking about a million things and what's happening next. And then you know how it works. We all know how our brains work. I might bring up my iPhone and then do this. And then somebody thinks of something because of this color. So pair of pants they have and then what happened to them when they were wearing those pants and then who was there and your mind will just go and go right, right. down a huge rabbit hole right right so if you think about what i did is i thought about one thing i chose one thing to think about while i was meditating while i was praying and when i was able to think about that one thing and get good at it the next thing i was able to do is think about nothing mm. just calm and quiet and you're in this really peaceful state of almost you're almost asleep, but you're just in this deep prayer, this deep meditation, and your mind stops running. Then, from there, I was able to, when I would wake up in the morning, I started practicing this. First thing in the morning, before my eyes would even open, if you, if you pay attention to this, I always tell people, pay attention tomorrow morning, when you wake up, before your eyes even open, just pay attention to what your mind's thinking, what you're thinking about. Usually right. people are like, oh, I have to go do this today. I got to make these calls. I got to send this email. They start thinking about what they have to do. Right. And if we're thinking about instantly in the morning of what needs to happen, that's a form of anxiety, right? The future is anxiety if we're thinking about the future. If we're sure. thinking about the past, something that happened, that's more of the depression side, right? right? So we always want to kind of stay where we're at. So what I started doing in the mornings, because instantly I would start worrying about things I needed to do. Mm. And I said, well, I'm going to choose what I want to think about. Mm-hmm. And so instantly I do the, grat- the gratitude thing. I mean, I instantly start thinking about my son and how much I love him, his, his smile. I use a picture I have of him with this, this awesome smile a lot. In fact, it's on one of my websites. Um, and uh, I started thinking about him and I, how much I love him. I think about my wife and all that she does for me. I start thinking about all my kids and my grandkids, and just all these things that I love and that I enjoy. I choose my thoughts. 
Right. And, I, and, and when you choose your thoughts, that's what you're thinking about instead of just letting your mind run. So um, it does take some practice, but we can 100% of the time choose our thoughts. Things will pop up, right? Things will right. pop up when you understand that you can change your state, right. change what you're thinking. Then you go, stop. That's what I do. I mean, I, 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 use, I use this meditation program. It's a wonderful program. It's called BrainTap Pro. It was created by a, a, a neuroscientist. Okay. And I promote it so much, I should tell them they need to give me an affiliate. <laughs> but, right. And I don't, I don't get anything from it, but I'll tell you, I love it. Um, it it's, a, it's created by a neuroscientist. It has these different sounds, brainwaves, and sounds that go through your, your mind. Um, but I use that, too, because that thing, it talks to me and says certain things to me that I want to hear before I get up in the morning or before I go to okay. sleep at night. Uh, so I practice those things, and, and I learned that I can control my thoughts. When things pop up, the reason I brought up that app is because it, in one of them it says when you start to think negative or something you don't, that's bringing you down, picture a stop sign and say stop. Nice. And you stop yourself from thinking that, yeah. and then choose what you want to think of next. And then you start, and it, it, just, it, it'll, it really does go away. So well, it's just, it's just like a lot of this stuff takes practice, but it can happen. What's that? Yeah. It's like, you're saying, it's like you were saying earlier. I mean, disrupt yourself, right? I mean, pattern disrupt. This is your pattern. Once you recognize that this is your pattern, what do you want? And if you, and if you that pattern is no longer serving you, right? Like, you know, yeah. you say, hey, look, I'm having negative thoughts. I'm having negative thoughts. I know now that, you know, it's okay to have negative thoughts, but I don't want to have them all the time. And I don't want, you know, stop, right? Disrupt it and, and be like, you know, you have that power ultimately to, disrupt the daily chatter and and when you disrupt you're you're automatically creating something new entirely like the moment you disrupt that once your brains your brain is like wait a second i'm in charge and, and then this is like your this is your opportunity to say no really i am in charge and and this is what we're going to do now right, right. And, I don't, and really i think it only really takes a one or two moments of that right uh mm -hmm. And, I, and, and, you know, as you're talking, you got a couple key points that, that you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of. When you're, when you're doing your meditations, you're basically teaching yourself how to focus, right? Because what we've been taught and our conditioning has been to be um, completely, like, follow everything else going on, right? We've been taught to be disorganized. We've been taught to pay attention to the next shiny thing. We've been taught distraction, right? For all these years, basically what you're talking about is saying, let's learn how to focus. Let's learn how to have some control, uh, yeah. which is which is not what we've been taught. Right. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a it's a powerful thing um, to be able to understand the power of our own minds that we that we have control. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many things that we allow society to dictate for us. Um, it's amazing to me. So uh, if, if, if anything, you know, understand, and this is the key points that I teach all the time, is to understand that we are psychologically conditioned and conformed from birth, mm -hmm. right? And I think uh, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza says, by the time we're 35, everything we do is a conditioned, learned habit, right? And it's core. It becomes core. So, you know, that the, the things that we believe and that we pass on to our children and people around us is something that somebody taught us. 99.9% .9 of the time it's our parents and they're doing their best. They're not trying to harm us, but right. they're teaching us what they learned. Right. right. 
And at some point, we got to be able to question it and go, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. So many times throughout my life, I go, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right? right. I, I'm going to go do some research. And really, you feel out. validated, like, you know, all these years later. You're right. You're like, I've been saying no to this for like 20 years. And finally, like, somebody's like, oh, you know, okay, you were right. You were yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Take control. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, I mean, there's there's all different places to go with it, but uh, I think I think that the power of the mind is is a big takeaway here. I think that finding a, a mentor is a big takeaway here. I think that um, another question that I have here though for you is, you know, as as you and I are getting older, right? Do you see more people understanding the power of their mind now? Uh, you know, I I seem to I, I see a lot more people opening up to it. Mm -hmm. um, understanding that there's more to life than what I think we've been taught over the last, you know, even 60 years, what society has kind of conditioned people with the media and commercials and all these things that are out there. I mean, I, I, one of the things that really helped me change my life, just even in the last three years, I cut my cable off three years ago. Right. Um, and I am not stressed out by any of the media's BS. I'll tell you that where before right. it was bombarded, yeah. you see this stuff every day and you just can't help but to worry about things. Yeah. So uh, that's that's another thing that, that helps is clearing our mind and getting this stuff out. Well, I mean, you got you got to ask yourself this question. We did uh, we cut off the news for sure a few years back now ourselves. Uh, you know, you got to ask yourself this question: What can I do about that? Right? <laughs> you know, the news is on there. What can I do about that? Why should I be watching it? How can I? You know, what what is me watching this on the news got to do with anything? How can I can I help them? Right. Yeah. Right. What 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 does it got to? How can I help? Right. Um. And if you can't really participate in it or act in it, as far as the news is concerned, like why should you be watching it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, to me, that to me that was like really. And I, I still remember my wife. Like she's like, "What do you mean you're not going to watch the news?" I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't make any sense, <laughs> <laughs> right?" No, and, and, go ahead. I would say for me, for me, cutting it off. Um, what, there was there's a lot of good reasons to cut off your cable. Um, one nowadays. Kids can't even watch the commercials. They're, they're all sexually, you know, orientated. Every commercial, mm -hmm. hamburger yeah. commercials, everything has had something to do with sex nowadays. Um, and then the, the, for me, watching the news, it's, it's not even about can I help or not. It's is this even true or not? I mean, sure. the, the news is so full of BS and sensationalized. They, they show you and they show you little pieces of what this big video, they show you a little piece that is a, an agenda, in my opinion. Sure. They want you to think this instead of watching the whole thing. So I, I, I like to know what's happening, but what yeah. I'll do is if I see a little snippet of something, I'll research it if I'm interested in it. I want to see the whole story. I don't want to yeah. see a little, you know, five second clip. I want to see the whole thing. Um, but I'll tell you that, that we turned it off because our kids couldn't really watch it based on our values. We didn't want them to see what was being shown. And then uh, I, I just feel like the media is full of crap. <laughs> well, look, I mean, it's 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 a tough gig, man. It's a tough gig being in the media. They gotta get you to buy all the things, and they gotta you know get you to stay in your house, uh, and and all those other things, right? Like, I think it's 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 pretty intense. And um, I'm always like curious. I'm like, say, when mass media, I, I would say the past hundred years had really been a global science project with mass media right i mean look at yeah. look at what look at what it's caused and look at how they, they, they've exerted some type of control whether or not that was initially on purpose or not right mm -hmm. and and once they understand like kind of what they're doing it's it's like wow um 
it's 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 kind of mind-boggling and I, I always have to wonder like how much of it's intentional how much of it's just happenstance and all this other stuff but that's neither here nor there um we we both agree though that, like you know kind of watching the news isn't necessarily in your best favor right. um just due to the negativity factor man like if you want to if you want to spend some time thinking about good and wholesome things and, and uh let's talk about the final i think the final idea i'd like to run by you because you uh you talked about practical psychology what does that statement mean like you know what, what what's involved with practical psychology where where should uh the average joe where should i turn to look into more about practical psychology so so for me practical psychology is is a term that that to me means basic psychology it means uh i use a lot of psychology in stuff that I teach in my own life um, with my kids. And it, it's, and, but I, I don't have a, a, a PhD in psychology, right? Right. Um, so practical psychology is understanding the concepts of conditioning, conforming, doing some study, watching some, nowadays you can learn anything on YouTube and you know, it, it, there's free courses. I mean, if you go on to Harvard university app, Right. You can watch free courses on on whatever you want to learn. You know, you go to Stanford. I mean, there's there's so much out there now. So when 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 I use the term practical psychology, it's kind of basic psychology for me because the basis of psychology, conforming, conditioning, those types of subjects, are really important because uh, every single one of us is conformed, has conformed, whether it be, and it doesn't mean just from birth, we are conformed from birth, but uh, it might be the job you're in, right? There's a right. culture there, right? I, I know some companies, everybody in there, all they do is complain, right? right? As soon as they sit down, they start complaining about this person or that person or the company or whatever it is, right. it's, 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 you conform to that. And I've experienced that walking into a company, um, being you know happy and motivated and I'm going to do my thing and just mind my own business. And all of a sudden I'm sitting here complaining with everybody else. And it's like, that's conformity. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I fell into it. The yeah. people around you is who you become. I yeah. think we, we've learned that, that the five people around you most are who you become. So right. if you're spending eight hours, 10 hours a day, and then 40, 50 hours a week at work and you're in that environment, right. that's who we become. It doesn't mean we have to stay that way, you know, right. but it, that's who we become during that time period. Right. I want to I want to highlight uh, just to to those who are listening to you who is listening that uh, you know what's being talked about here is, is and are some just true keys to prosperity. Raul has gone through some you know crappy life situations and has been able to use the power of his mind to turn around and has accessed I think a, a deeper level of knowledge of the power of his mind and taken himself to. So really, I mean, I think great heights. I mean, the the show that you uh, just put on the tag talk, some you know, just for an example, like how many were in attendance? How many people did you have speaking? Uh, so we've averaged about two hundred people at each event. Mm -hmm. um, we did one in February. We did one just now. We got about two hundred people there. Um, the first event we did, we had we did a one day event. Um, okay. I think we had six, seven speakers, and this last one we did two two days, and we had nine speakers. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they were great events. Uh, some people came up and talked about their personal life stories. That's really what Tag Talks is about. Right. Um, some people came up and they had, like, entrepreneur programs and stuff, and they've offered to the audience, you know, if you wanted to sign up for a program. Um, my thing is always uh, about life, and then when we get into business, it's how your life 
and your personal thoughts and the way you think and the stuff we're talking about affects your business, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do some corporate stuff. And uh, one of the things that I talk about is like purpose, competence, accountability. Um, I talk about how 90% of business problems are people's personal problems in disguise. I love you that. Know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, anytime somebody has business challenges, I always start off with the life side. You know, I'll promote maybe business and then I'll go, okay, well, let's, who are you and why are you? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> figure that out, and then we can get into the rest of it. Yeah, no, I think that that's I think that's super huge, and you know, I kind of discovered it in in the opposite way when when I started doing my first program, Fatherhood for the rest of us. My audio sooner or later had to match my video. That's what I'm always saying. Right? Like whatever I was talking about, my body, our subconscious, right, like started to absorb like everything I was taking, and I had to align with with that story, right. And so I understood that everything that was happening in my personal life at home was able to be replicated in business in in the community because you know if i cared and paid attention here like it just showed up everywhere else right it was, it was that's how i fell into it right and and so it's mirroring what you're saying though and I, I love that i mean who doesn't like to have a little bit of validation that says all right well i'm on the right path right i'm on i'm on a good path at least that's how i feel and so thanks thanks for sharing that and i think that i think that what you're teaching is, is super super necessary and and i love i love the style that you're doing it i love that you give it with a you do it with a very calm and easygoing uh kind of demeanor that's backed with like uh you got some swag too going in there so i love i love i love how it's all kind of um i love how you've got it packaged we'll say um i definitely have more uh i could go on for days it seems like uh because i do have a lot to talk to you about but for now and for today, for today, I want everybody to know, like, you know, go check out Raul Lopez. Where should we be sending people to go check you out? Uh, yeah, I got uh, my personal website is RaulLopezOnline.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And then, you know, I'm on Facebook, Raul Lopez Jr. I, I am a junior, and I added that on there because there's a million Raul Lopez's. <laughs> Raul Lopez Jr., if you key that in, that's how you'll find me easiest. Um, and then my book's available on uh, Amazon, it's on Barnes and Nobles. I mean, wherever wherever you like to purchase from, you can find it there. Heal the boy, and the man will appear. Um, here is what it looks like right there. I know you got a copy. Absolutely, um, it's a great book. No, it's, it's a it's a really good book. Like I said earlier, uh, went through it, read it, and there's a lot of things that I thought were helpful that touched me, uh, just in terms of uh, kind of what some of my my personal story touched on my personal story, but also just was able to make me think about me raising my own boys, right? And, yeah. and the ability to, to have those emotional conversations with them and, and to see, you know, kind of how even your story about like, you know, uh, moving to a new area, like my boys just recently moved to a new area, right? And like, you know, uh, having that experience of kind of welling up and like going in versus like expressing themselves. So, so that was, the book was very helpful on a number of different levels. So thank you for writing it. Thanks for sharing it with us. And, and thanks for being on here today. Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. And remember, reach out to us on Facebook or through our webpage. The Prosperity Practice. The Prosperity Practice. Have something to say directly? Hit us up, Brandon at prosperity-practice.com. Prosperity is a result of action. Take action. That's it. I'm out of here.